Hello everyone, my name is Michael and welcome to this week's edition of the Weekly Climate. Woohoo! Biden won. This might actually give us a shot at ensuring a livable future for future generations, but seriously, we have a long way to go. Biden and the rest of the world will need to put on their working gloves ASAP. Sometimes I imagine talking to my long-deceased grandparents about the world we live in today. The post-truth era with Trump, populist governments around the world, the fossil fuel industry, the total inaction on climate change, and so on. And I wonder about their responses. When they were a bit younger than I am today, we were in the middle of World War II. Our country was occupied by the Nazis. The outlook from that period must have also seemed extremely dire. Total war with no end in sight, and later on the East Bloc, the Berlin Wall, and so on. So much death and destruction and human misery. I imagine the fear they must have had for their children, whether they would grow up in a Nazi totalitarian regime. And I wonder whether they would attempt to calm it down by saying something like, meh, things have been worse. Or whether they, like me, would be outraged about the future we live in. One thing I definitely feel when thinking about this dead grandparents heart to heart is embarrassment. I feel embarrassed about having to explain all the fucked up stuff that have happened on my watch and are continually happening. I both take comfort and have great reverence in the fact that the world is continuously changing, for good and bad. You can see it in just 12 years ago in John McCain's concession speech to Obama, how dignified and almost stylish it was compared to how Trump is behaving. But then again, the past also had its fair share of crises from world wars to cold wars. Back then, supposedly leaders of the quotation mark free world couldn't get away with lying every single time they were on TV. But today they can, and they do. Populism rules. Whoever is part of the largest and loudest group of, excuse me, stupid people on Facebook gets to steer our governments. Where the content of Facebook in turn is steered by whoever has the most money. I think Sam Harris's 10-year-old TED talk about how science can answer moral questions is onto something. Through the power of science and knowledge today, we can actually determine what the right answer is to many questions. That, yet that answer become an opinion in a political game, far from a scientific fact that it is. Instead, it is whoever who is loudest is the right. We see it in Denmark with our climate elected government's feeble attempts at introducing two vegetarian lunch days as a form of climate action. But that legislation was rolled back a few days later because the unions wouldn't stand for it. Seriously, if our government can't even introduce two measly vegetarian lunch days in the public sector, then I doubt politicians and the way the system is structured today will ever solve the climate crisis. Is this failing of our government to address anything that has real meaning and real value the symptom that ultimately will make our civilization collapse? Naively, one would assume that having access to the amount of information that we have today should prevent all these bad things from happening. We know climate change is happening. We know Trump is and was lying. We know the fossil fuel industry is destroying our planet and our societies, yet we keep on allowing it. The amount of information seems to have the opposite effect. Why? Sun Tzu said that knowledge is power, but that doesn't seem to be true anymore. Today, volume is power, seems more accurate today. Whoever has the biggest loudspeaker has the power. Will you purchase that loudspeaker with money, votes or facts? That, I think, is one of the biggest tasks that stand before Biden and the rest of the world. In the news. Here are the most interesting and important news items from last week. Story we follow, the US presidential election. I had to scrap all my anti-Trump articles this week and just stick with this one about what Biden can do on climate, even with a Republican Senate. 
This will probably be the last post in this series about the US presidential election. Better Petroleum's BP's climate aspirations. BP has announced that it will slash oil production by 40%. If history teaches us anything, it is that this will be just another load of bullcrap, just like Beyond Petroleum were 20 years ago. But we will see. By putting the story up top here, we aim to track it very carefully. For sale. Oil company headquarters slightly used. And BP looking to get into hydrogen and more offshore wind. And now for some science and climate news. Smoke cloud from this summer's bushfires in Australia is now three times larger than anything previously recorded in Australia. At 2 centigrade world we released 230 gigatons more carbon from the soil equivalent to about four times that of China over the past century. And category 4 hurricane Eta wreaks havoc in Nicaragua and Honduras and is headed towards Cuba and Florida. And now for technology news. Electrification from heat in US homes could reduce footprint of buildings by 44%. With energy storage market ranging, pumped hydro doesn't want to be left behind. And a new report analyzes the future of solar in Latin America and is looking very good. And now for some investing news. Up until last week, Vesta's offshore business was a joint venture with Mitsubishi. But a new deal brings Vestas in full control of its offshore business. And now for some news about major carbon emitters. The fossil fuel industry keep on trying to involve the public in its demise, as was seen last week with Shell's total Twitter fail, which enabled the climate activists of the world to tear into it. Anime Westerworld of Jeweled even enlightened us with a picture from a Shell strategy document showing that it has a plan for what to do in case the public catches on. And the fossil fuel industry gets the nuclear treatment in a new attempt to push the fossil fuel non-proliferation treaty through the world's governments. Yes, please. And now for some news about politics. Greentech Media dives into the counterintuitive question of why falling levelized costs of energy for renewable energy aren't causing wholesale electricity prices to drop in Europe. And vegetarian and vegan food products in Europe can now use a variety of descriptions formerly reserved for meat products. Greta Thunberg hears your, your, in this case, politicians' excuses and she's not impressed. And Putin orders the government to try to meet Paris goals. And now climate justice. Category 5 Typhoon Goni hit the Philippines last Sunday and wreaked death and destruction. Emissions from the Amazon wildfires doesn't stop until four years after the blaze has stopped because trees damaged by the fire are dying slowly. Or we can save book club and other books. Heated book club week 5 is back, and also what looked to be a killer election night show. Damn, so sad I missed this one live. And now for all the other stuff that we couldn't fit into any other category than the other category. Review of the movie titled Rebellion, about the people's uprising to push climate action. And now for your listening pleasure, podcasts. As I've been unsuccessful in finding any good English-speaking European podcast about the climate crisis, it's no surprise that all of these that I have in this newsletter except one is about the US election. However, I think they provide some really good and interesting perspectives. Drilled. Episode. Update. Dunziger headed to trial with no representation. The New York judge has denied Dunziger's request for his lawyer to be present for his trial and is now due to appear on November 9, that is tomorrow. 
How to Save a Planet, episode How Much Does the President Matter for the Climate, discussing how much the U.S. President really matters when it comes to taking action on climate change. This one is published on November 5, so prior to Biden winning. I met after Greece, episode After Trump, the Silver Linings Playbook. Similar to the previous one, except this one is published on November 8 after the Biden victory. One way to take action. Talking. The problem. Not enough people are taking climate change seriously. You're here, so you're not in the problem group. But one thing that struck me the most about the US election is the fact that almost half of the votes were for Trump. 70 million people voted for him. And we've seen so much irrationality, for instance, surrounding COVID. People who got shot because they didn't want to wear a mask. And to solve the climate crisis, we need everyone to help. It's not enough that we make Biden's half of the votes carbon neutral. We need every single one of Trump voters or the equivalent in your country to do that too. So my question is, how do we get an anti-mask climate denier Trump voter to go carbon neutral? How do we make them switch out their polluting car with an EV, electrify their home, support a carbon tax, and so on? I must honestly admit that I don't know. I can only see one way, and that is by law. Politicians have to force these people to do it. It has to be illegal not to do it, otherwise they won't. And that is why talking about climate change is probably the single most important thing anyone can do. Or at least one example why. Because to get the politicians to take the right steps, even with world-saving Biden administration, we need more volume. Solution. Turn up the volume. The past two years has turned up the volume quite a lot. Heck, I had my own personal climate transformation in this period. And two key moments happened. Greta started striking in the EU, and the Sunrise Movement in the US launched the Green New Deal. Last year on September 20, 4 million young people went on strike. None of these events would have happened if the people involved didn't talk about climate change. When people talk, things happen. Remember, we need your old conservative Uncle John to talk about climate change too. And you're the one who can talk to him about it. You're the one who he will very likely listen to. People his own age can't make him listen, otherwise you wouldn't need to talk to him. Only the generation after him can. In the coming years, we need to put massive pressure on politicians to act. We need to show them that they have to act on climate change or we will take away their power, which is the only thing they fear. We need Uncle John to join us in the demonstrations to come. And in the newsletter, I post a video of Catherine Hayhoe, who has a great TED talk about the most important thing we can do to fight climate change, which coincidentally is to talk about it. One action, voice. Here are a few ideas for how to talk about climate change this week. Number one is family friends dinner. If you're going to dinner, it's a big one. Bring up the topic. Talk about some of the items I pushed in this newsletter. And here's a bonus one and a good icebreaker, quite literally, unfortunately, about an iceberg the size of Norfolk on a collision course with an island full of penguins. And I, of course, show a link to that in a newsletter. Second one is social media. As you probably guessed, I'm not a big fan of social medias, especially Facebook, but people are there. So share one of the articles from this week's newsletter that resonated with you and comment on it. An easy one is what Biden can do with a Republican Senate. And the third one is make, make content. All of the best climate communicators out there started the same way. They started to produce content. My newsletter is a small attempt at getting better at that. What's your angle? Do you live in a neighborhood hard hit by climate change? Document that on YouTube or Instagram. And if you let me know 
what you decide upon these things, I'll happily help push it. And also, if you just want to produce stuff but don't know what, then please reach out. I have a ton of ideas that I don't have time to do. And remember, you don't have to be a Catherine Hayhoe or a climate scientist to talk about climate change. In fact, it's important that you aren't. Your perspective on climate change is as relevant as anybody, because as it affects everybody, it is highly unlikely that you're the only one who sees things your way. Anyone can talk about climate change, but it's important to do it in a good and constructive way. Here's a few tips. The first one is, I have a fun way to start. A fun game I like to play is to ask people to think about something that won't be affected by climate change. You can pretty safely say to just about anything that, nope, that thing will also be affected by climate change. If nothing else, it provides an interesting discussion and makes people who never thought about it before think about the complexities of our society. Second one is skip the doom and gloom. Yes, you can talk about ice melting, wildfires, species extinction, flooding and all that, but when it comes to action, it's important to not talk about how awful fixing this is going to be, but rather, as I tried to do for a few issues, talk about how awesome the future will be where climate change is fixed. Third one is make it relatable. Many times when I talk about climate change with people, in the end they're giving up and saying something like, what can I do? Make climate action relatable. The last three newsletters contain concrete action about what anyone can do. Tell them about those and tell them why they matter. All details are obviously in those issues. And perhaps they might even sign up to get more tips. <clears throat> and the fourth one is be personal. People relate to personal stories. Tell them why climate change matters to you. Has it always mattered to you? What made it matter to you? How do you think about it? And all that stuff. Community, help us, stranger. Here are a few things that I would love to hear your answer on in the comments below. How is your local network of people thinking about climate change? Are everyone die-hard climate fighters? Or are they your Uncle John who doesn't really believe in climate change? Who will you talk to this week that are indifferent about climate change? Do you have any idea about how to talk to Trump voters or similar about climate change? Do you have any ideas about producing any content about climate change? Pitch them to us. Any comments on the issue, let me know in the comments below. That's it for this week, folks. If you feel like I'm missing something, please let me know at michael at weeklyclimate.com. And if you enjoy this newsletter, don't forget to share it with your friends, co-workers, and people you think could benefit from reading or listening to it. And if you got directed here by a friend or another link on the internet, don't forget to subscribe either to the podcast and or the newsletter. See you all next week.